With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey everyone, welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Alexa Dat, and today we are talking Nats baseball. We bring in our Nationals reporter for MLB.com, Jamal Collier. Jamal, happy belated birthday. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm, I'm getting old, having a little quarter-life crisis right now. Oh no, what do you mean? <laughs> Just, the, the, you know, I'm a quarter of a century old. It's kind of hitting me right now, and, and I, don't, I don't know how to feel about it. I feel like the rest of us who are older than you are, are playing a very tiny <laughs> Not, violin no one, for you. No one wants to hear it, yeah. <laughs> All right, so you were down in Orlando and a lot of trade talks I know going on. Nats aren't going to do too much in the off season in terms of trades, but I do want to ask you, since Giancarlo Stanton's name was on the tip of everyone's tongue, how happy would the Nationals be to potentially get that slugger out of their division <laughs> if he's traded? Yeah, I mean, certainly. He's a guy who obviously not only has great numbers against everybody, but he particularly kind of kills the Nats. Over the last couple of years, uh, I mean, it, it, anytime that that kind of player, you don't have to face him 19 times a year, uh, would obviously be a huge plus for the Nats. And uh, you know, the, uh, like I said, a lot of a lot of interesting talk kind of going down in Orlando. And, and the Nats, uh, for once, felt like last year they were kind of in the middle of everything, and, and this year they kind of kind of seem to be, you know, taking a step back and kind of letting it all play out. Well, it seems like they have a lot of pieces, uh, you know, in play, ready to go. Max Scherzer, obviously one of those pieces. He wins his second straight Cy Young Award, third overall. Nine other pitchers have won three or more Cy Young Awards, and they're all Hall of Famers, obviously, besides Clayton Kershaw because he's still pitching and Roger Clemens for obvious reasons. Do you believe yeah. that Scherzer just secured his spot in the Hall of Fame? You know, it's. I think that's something I've kind of been debating and trying to look at the numbers uh, since last night, I think that he's definitely on that track. And when you look at the seasons he kind of continues to put together, if he keeps doing what he's done doing for two or three, four years, I think he's you know pretty much going to lock that up pretty certain right now. He's got a really good case already. Obviously, when you, you go into that kind of elite company of three Cy Young Awards, uh, you you know you, you really just take a huge step forward. Um, but, you know, the, the thing about Max, one of the things that really impresses me with uh, about him is that, you know, he's always – constantly striving to get better and getting better. Uh, I know it's a thing that I think a lot of people or players might say, but he's a guy who went out and won the Cy Young Award in 2016 uh, and made a conscious effort to be even better this past season, um, and he did it. And I think that that's the thing with him is that I don't, I don't feel like he's going to have a drop-off here in the next two or three or four seasons outside of until age just literally catches up with him. Um, but he's going to be continually trying to get better and trying to stay at this elite level of pitcher um, and I think that when you look at two or three more seasons of, of, of what he's done, um, you know, he's really going to have a really good resume when it comes to Cooperstown time. Do you think his tenure right now with the Nationals could be considered a success despite their postseason struggles? Yeah, I mean, 100%. I, I think he's putting himself in a, a chance here, obviously, that when you've got those kind of big contracts, a lot of, a lot of people or GMs may say, hey, we're paying for these years on the front end, and, and we're willing to live with some of those on the back end. And I think that when you look at, you know, two Cy Youngs in three years and the, the, the constant no-hitters and just the dominance, and, you know, he obviously it's not maybe had the postseason success that he's wanted. Um, and he kind of mentioned even that loss to the Cubs is something that's going to eat at him all offseason. But 
know, it's, I think in general, when you look at the, the what he's done during the regular season and what he's done these past two years especially, um, I, I don't know how you could ask for more. Last year when he was named Cy Young, he was sprayed with champagne. His entire <laughs> yeah. family was celebrating. This year he kind of just threw his hands up. He kissed his pregnant wife, who's due any day now. I feel like if he wins next year, he might just kind of give a <laughs> thumbs up and walk off set. I mean, it, it's like the, the celebrations are becoming more and more subdued. Yeah, yeah. See, I don't know how much of that had to do with uh, just the fact that, you know, one, he was saying he thought he might even be in the hospital you know, uh, on Wednesday night. Right. His wife is, is just due at any moment at this point. Uh, so I think that this had maybe a little bit more to do uh, with just kind of her status. And, uh, but I think Max, just, he, he's a guy who is so competitive. He does care about these awards and care about uh, winning Cy Young so much that, um, you know, I think he, they, they are special to him. And I think that if he's even at, on number three, he's, he's still kind of struggling to words to put it in what it kind of really means to him. So I think that if, if, if he gets to another, if it becomes a, an annual thing for him winning these Cy Youngs and wins it again next year, uh, we might see something close, closer to that celebration from a couple of years ago. So, I mean, is this going to be an annual tradition for him? Can we expect more Cy Young Awards? What, what do you think his future holds? Uh, you know, I mean, it's tough because obviously the guy in, also in the, the uh, National League that finished second in the award, Clay Kershaw, is still really, really good. And, and, you know, the last two years or so, obviously, Kershaw's back has acted up. And uh, I don't want to say that's led to the exact reason Max has is, is won the award because Max has obviously been really good himself. But, um, you know, a lot of the reasons that Max won this year was because he was a guy who was – didn't miss as much time when when uh, Strasburg and Kershaw, I think both had about 175-ish innings and Max had 200. And I think that's a, that's that's the kind of thing one that Max is going to consistently give you. He's got to be a guy around 200 innings around uh, that that mark when you see it's becoming less and less common for starters these days. Um, and that's going to always give him an advantage. So if he continues to stay healthy, uh, he's going to be in that conversation. He's going to be probably a regular as, as a finalist on the MLB Network show. Um, but you know he's he's got some tough competition, obviously with Kershaw and even his teammate Strasburg. But really, when he showed what he can do when he puts together a healthy season. All right, so you mentioned Clayton Kershaw coming in second in that Cy Young Award voting. Steven Strasburg, Max Scherzer's yep. teammate, came in third. He had a historic second half of, uh, of the season, a sub one ERA, and it was pretty incredible what he was able to put together. What does this you know season? What does this voting all mean for Strasburg's future? Yeah, I mean, I think it was it was so much of a. Um, Kind of, I remember just the playoffs, especially, and just the way the second half went. It felt like he really kind of just grabbed hold of, of his own, his old kind of narrative, his own whatever you may want to call it, because you know for a while and he gets hurt in the middle of the year, and, and a lot of people I think kind of throw up their hands and go, okay, here we go again. You know, this is a guy who's never, you know, not been able to stay healthy, who's not been able to really make it through a full season, um, and you know, people were questioning, could he do that, and, and was, it, was that contract they gave him uh, last May worth it? And I think that when you, you saw that once he got himself together and right and the way he finished the season and what he did in the playoffs and those two starts against the Cubs, um, he's, he's as good as anybody else when he's healthy and when he's kind of clicking on all cylinders. And I think that um, that he showed that. He showed how that he's, he's, he's tough enough or whatever it is that, that the knocks are against him to pitch him the ball in, in, in big postseason games um, and to be able to perform. And I think that uh, – you know, Strauss, this is a huge year for Strasburg and, and one of his best years, you know, career. Obviously, he didn't make as many stars as he did in, in 2014. I think it was his, his only other full year, but um, he was as good as has ever been and this is the highest ever finished in the, the Cy Young Award. Uh, he had, had finished higher than ninth before this year, finishing third. Um, but I think he's a guy that if he can he can stay this healthy or somewhere make 28 to 32 starts or so a year, you know, we're going to see his name as well be a regular um, mention among, among the Cy Young Award candidates. 
I was doing a little bit of a thir- uh, throwback Thursday viewing today, watching Strasmus and watching Steven Strasburg strike out 14 Pittsburgh Pirates in his debut. And that was in 2010. Pretty yeah. shocking to imagine that over all this time he's only gotten better. Him and Scherzer, how much longer can Nationals fans expect these two to perform at a level like this? That, I think, is the the tough thing. When people talk about what the Nets window is or what the you know how long they contend or so, I think it's going to a lot of it is kind of tied up into that. Um, you know, the Nats, obviously, with the trades they made in the last year, especially last uh, winter, you know, they don't have another guy who's coming up through the system that's going to be a, a number one elite starter. So you, so really, these are the two guys who they feel um, they have to kind of take advantage of their prime. And, you know, it's tough. These guys are both getting, you know, Max is obviously already uh, 30, and Strasburg is kind of getting toward there now. But I, mean, I definitely think the next two or three years, these guys should be able to still perform at an elite level. But, um, you know, and, and it's, it's just this that's what kind of made this year so difficult that the Nets, you know, obviously weren't able to take advantage of in, a, in the playoffs because this is the first time they had those two guys healthy and clicking on all cylinders. No Max had the hamstring thing, but to have them both in a rotation was kind of what they'd envisioned when they signed Max a couple of years ago. Um, and, and I think they want to make sure they're able to take advantage of those guys when they're healthy and, and as dominant as they are. Another award, NL MVP, I believe, could have gone to Bryce Harper had he not gotten hurt. He's in the last yeah. year of his contract. Nationals fans, I'm telling you, they're praying to the baseball gods right now that he somehow <laughs> stays in Washington. They're clinging to every headline. The most recent one, Scott Boris is open to an extension with the Nationals, I and mean, people's heads are exploding. What are the chances an extension gets done? There, the chances it gets done are probably slim. I mean, just because uh, at this point now, a year away from free agency and everything we've seen with Bryce, is, you know, he's, it seems pretty uh, set that he would at least test the open market and, and, and see what he can get uh, on there. But you never know. I mean, I, I would have said the exact same thing about Strasburg uh, at this time before he signed his extension in, in, in May of middle of what, guess two years ago now. But, you know, I think that the biggest thing is that Bryce continues to prove once he gets on the field and when he is healthy. And we saw in that first half of the first you know, couple months of the season that, you know, there's there's nobody or a few players really better than him in the game. And he's, he's one of those that those top two or three, you know, four players in, in baseball. And I think that he's you know going to be paid and going to be rewarded for that. Um, so that's going to be the biggest thing for the Nats or for any team that is interested in Bryce Harper is that, you know, you're going to have to, 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 to shell out the big bucks because he's, he's uh, such a, a generational talent. He's only going to be 26 years old at this point. But, um, you know, one thing that is positive is that, you know, Scott Boris is, is, seems at this point at least open to, to have that conversation. He said it hadn't been started yet, but, uh, you know, he's at least open to kind of talk. And, and when you do, right now the Nets do have that exclusive window to be able to speak to Boris about Harper uh, before other teams can. So they might as well kind of take advantage and see what they can do. Fingers crossed he doesn't go to the Yankees. I mean, listen, I know he's a big <laughs> fan, but really that would be the biggest heartbreaker of all. Let's talk about yeah. a dark horse NL MVP candidate, Anthony Rendon. What's the latest on yeah. his contract situation? Yeah, so also Rendon's been a popular name about a guy who could get extended. Um, you know, there were questions early in his career about durability and could he stay on the field and such. And really the last two seasons have kind of erased that. You know, he's been one of their most kind of consistent and played some of their most played the most games. Uh, for them over the last couple of seasons, and I think that this kind of just changed the outlook on Rendon's career. And he's a guy who's also young, who's also performed really, really well. They haven't had extension talks just yet, um, but he's also arbitration eligible eligible this year. And I think that uh, Mike Rizzo kind of mentioned, and so does Scott Boris, that usually when you start working out the arbitration contract, you know that's when you start to get into those kind of conversations. So potentially, uh, you could see some kind of deal that maybe locks up the rest of his arbitration years. 
Uh, but I think the Nats would even like to, you know, maybe even move move towards some kind of deal to, to go a little bit past that if, if, if uh, at all possible. What are the chances? I mean, we're talking about how much pressure this team is under. You've got Bryce Harper, who potentially is leaving after next year, and this team yeah. is yet to win a postseason series. How much pressure is this team under to, to get it done? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you saw that just with the switch in manager, that, you know, being a, a really good regular season team and, and getting to the playoffs is not um, that's not the, the the bar anymore. It's not the goal. It's, it's beyond that. Um, and and it's not. It's not even just Bryce going after next year. We're talking about Daniel Murphy as well, and, and Gio is a free agent. Uh, Mike Rizzo technically only has one more year in his contract as well. So it, there's a lot of, of question marks. The team might look a lot different uh, in 2019 than it does in 2018. So I think that yeah, there's a lot of pressure on on this first year coaching staff and on the guys that are there um, uh, as far as this next season, which is going to be a really important season in franchise history. Dave Martinez is hired as the new manager. What's the buzz around him and uh, his staff and everyone he's brought in? I think a lot of people are impressed about his staff. I think uh, just in general, the way the Nets have built it, these guys who have a lot of experience, a lot of uh, some of the most sought-after coaches in the game. We've got a guy like Kevin Long, who was you know, interviewed for some managerial jobs. You know, you look at uh, Derek Lilliquist from the from the Cardinals. You know, he had a lot of respect as a pitching coach for a while there. Uh, Chip Hale's been a former manager. You know, the, so I think just look at the, the pieces they put around Dave. People are really, I think, excited about just in, in, uh, in, around the game and around the organization as well. Um, and I think a lot of people are also intrigued to see what Dave Martinez is going to uh, look like in his first year as manager and how, you know, how well that's going to go. A lot of people around the Cubs, they have to swear by him and they really like him and they think that you know, he's going to be the right guy for the job. Um, and it'll be interesting to see first year manager we see so often that we're not entirely sure what, happened, what, the, what happens until they kind of get to those situations. So uh, I think Dave is, is, is as prepared as anybody. They're actually in this weekend. Uh, the Nets and, and are meeting with the new coaching staff. Rizzo, some of the front office are all going to be at West Palm Beach at the uh, spring training complex and trying to go over a lot of those things. Meet for the first time and and you know outline some of the expectations and some of the things that they uh, plan to do for next season. Jamal, I know heading into the off season, a lot of teams are making a lot of moves. But do the Nationals really feel like they have their group? I mean, is there one move that they can make that they feel like is going to get them over the hump and finally win that elusive postseason series? Yeah, I, I don't. I think that this is a, a, a group that's pretty much set. You know, they, they obviously return so much of their uh, position players. They return their top four starters. The back of their bullpen is there. Um, so Rizzo basically kind of sees this as a, a kind of tweaking and. and and just uh, kind of up improving around the margins here. They obviously need some, some bullpen depth, especially from the right side, uh, is, is going to be kind of a, a big key for them. Some bullpen help or some uh, bench help is, is going to be a thing. You really have to build a bench, as a matter of fact. Uh, if you look at losing some of the guys like Kendrick and Lynn and, and Lobatone and some of those guys. Um, you know, I think also he wants to bring in a couple of more starting pitching, probably on the back end there, to just try to have some depth and compete for the number five spot and have some guys in the organization that if, in case guys get hurt. But, you know, in general, the team that we saw last year is pretty much going to be what we see this year um, outside of probably a few changes here and there. I don't expect any major shakeups. Hopefully with a different result, and that's why they brought in yeah. Dave Martinez. He's embracing the pressure, so uh, let's hope that that could be the difference maker to get them to where they ultimately want to be. All right, Jamal, thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. We'll talk next week. Thanks a lot, Alexa. You too.